0: Good evening, Oops. Good evening, Mercy View. I'm Jema Raubach. I'm a partner, and I'm going to be reading scripture tonight. We have two passages. The first one is Colossians 3, 15, uh, 16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your heart to God. And... Another passage is Ephesians chapter three or Ephesians chapter five, verses fifteen through twenty. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is, and do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery. But be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Good to see you. Uh, welcome to Mercy View. My name is Brad. I'm one of the pastors here. And uh, if you're visiting with us, just want to echo... Corbin's welcome to you, and say how grateful we are that you're here with us tonight. Hope you're encouraged so far in your time. I'd love to meet you after the service, um, if you would have a, a moment. A couple real quick things before we jump into our passage this evening. First, um, after our gathering tonight, uh, we have asked uh, our partners here, which is what we call our members at Mercy View, to come to something that we uh call a specially called partner meeting and as I shared with you two weeks ago uh, the the information the nature of this meeting is one that is very positive one that I think will be very encouraging to you it relates to our year-long efforts of fasting and praying to uh, ask the Lord like what is our next step as a body as it relates to where we should sort of plan our flag at least to the next season and uh, we believe the Lord has given us some direction on that. And so we've asked our partners to come and be a part of that meeting after church. So after we're done here in a few moments, um, we will go to the fellowship hall for that. And <clears throat> I'm gonna probably need a little bit of help with this. Is Jamie here? Yeah, so Jamie, help, make, help me make sure I'm saying this right. We do have child care for, for babies through seven year olds tonight. Um, we're gonna have three separate classrooms for them to be able to go to. But as it relates to the food, uh, the volunteers need to get their food first, and then the parents with, our, and with their kiddos need to get their kiddos their pizza next, right? And then you're gonna go to your room, we're gonna need you to sign in, so that we, if we need to get in contact you, uh, with you, we can. Um, we're gonna try to keep the, the meeting very tight. The, the goal is an hour, um, and so uh, you know, we'll have childcare for that entire time. But we really wanted to provide that so that, that if you're a partner with us, Um, you can be there and be be able to be real focused on what we're talking about uh, tonight. So would love to have you there. It's very, very important if you're a partner to be there to be engaged with us tonight. Um, You've heard it said a couple different times tonight. This is family worship. So we have all of our kids with us. This is an opportunity for us to bless our volunteers and and those who work to serve um, our kiddos week in and week out to give them a break. We are so grateful for the the work that you do, if you're here tonight and you're a part of that world, um, on behalf of, of, of myself, our staff at Mercy View, um, and I know parents, um, we wanna say a special thank you to all that you do to serve our kids. Um, we're so grateful for your sacrifice in that way. And lastly, I just wanna say, I see Miss Haley here tonight. Good to have you, welcome. Great to, Great to have you, good to see you. All right. Uh, I want to do something a little different. We have some kiddos in the room tonight, and if you're um, a little kid or a big kid, you're going to, I think, know this song. I'm going to get us started, and then I want you to join me, okay? I'm going to try to get it in a good key, but here we go. Jesus loves me, this I know. Sing it out. For the Bible tells me so. Come on, kiddos little ones to him belong. They are weak, but he is strong. Keep going. Good. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. The Bible tells me so. Now really we could stop and pray right there because what we just did is what what I'm going to talk about tonight. You just sang a song, many of you, because it's a song that as a child you learned and uh, it got into your heart so deeply that even as an adult you can sing it. But it's a song that if you're here tonight and you're a a kid, raise your hand if you're a kid. You say, I'm a kid, yeah, look at that, that is awesome. If you're a kid, you love this song too because it is a song that you can understand, right? Let's think about the words. Everybody, let's think about the words. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so, Little ones to him belong. They are weak, but he is strong. Jesus loves you. It's the most important thing that anyone here tonight could get into their hearts is to know the love of Jesus, no matter how old old you are. But how do we know that Jesus loves us? It's not just a song that tells us that. In fact, the song we just sang tells us that is the Bible, the word of God, the scriptures, that's what tells us that Jesus loves us. And I wanna say one more thing about the song. We, we sing uh, the, the, this idea of uh, little ones to him belong. They are weak, but he is strong. I think in one sense, the song is talking about younger children, the, the age, little people, younger people. But I also think it would be helpful for us to think about it this way. We all need to know and hear that Jesus loves us because you and I have little faith. We are weak in our faith. We are little in our faith and we need the love of Jesus to so wash over us that our faith can be strengthened and be made strong so that we can sing with confidence that Jesus loves me. Yes he loves me. There's a reason why we sing the songs that we sing, even as children. The Bible tells us what is true about God, and when we sing those truths like we just sang in Jesus Loves Me, there is something about the words and the notes when you put those things together that helps us get truth down into our hearts in a way that other things can't. Singing matters. Souls need songs. Tonight we are continuing our summer series called By the Book, Scripture as Worship Center, on the topic of worship. In particular, what we're doing right now, gathered worship, gathering together as God's people week in and week out to worship our great God. And in that name of the series, you get a a sense of what is at the very heart or center of our series, and it's this. The Word of God must, it has to be at what is the very center of all that we do when we gather together in worship. We've already looked at the ideas of confessing, the word in a lot of ways, the way that our worship is organized, the way that it's structured, is so that throughout the entire time that we're together, you and I are having multiple opportunities to confess the word of God. But we also have looked at this idea, Corbin helped us with this a few weeks ago, what it means for us to read the word, like literally read the word of God, why that's so important in gathered worship and why it's so important for us to hear The reading of God's Word in gathered worship and tonight we're going to talk about singing the Word and as we do that I want to invite you to see two things the first is this our sung worship must be tethered to the Word of God our sung worship must be tethered to the Word of God and second our sung worship helps us preach the gospel to ourselves and to others Our sung worship helps us preach the gospel to our own hearts, but also to others. So if you have your Bibles or electronic devices, keep them open first to Colossians chapter 3, beginning in verse 16. That's where we're going to be at, at least here at the very beginning of our time. As you look there, I just want to say a quick word. Um, remember that the argument that we're making in this series that, that we believe that that corporate worship should be centered on the Word of God what we're saying about that is is as we put ourselves in the way of elements in our worship gathering that are centered on the Word of God something happens to us as we do that we are being formed we are being shaped or reshaped into a people for the glory of God who are thriving and flourishing in our Christian journey because the supremacy of Jesus in our lives is what brings real happiness. It's the the thing that really brings us joy. God is what truly fulfills us. So tonight, the thrust of what I want to talk about is that it matters greatly what we sing. Why? Because what we sing forms us as well. Or or we can say it this way, what guides our singing, the choices we make in what we sing, that is going to reorder and reorient us over time. Over time, sung worship that is centered on the Word of God or is centered, I'm sorry, is is centered on the Word of God, that will reform us. If worship, sung worship is centered on something other than that, the truth of the matter is, is that that kind of worship can actually deform us This is Colossians 3 16. Let's let's look there first this verse comes in the context of Paul Describing what it looks like to live a gospel-fueled life In a community in the midst of that community being a part of a pagan and individualistic society Sound familiar right that that's us too And right in the middle of talking about that kind of Christian living, he talks about singing. It's very similar to the other passage we're going to look at here in a moment, Ephesians 5, where Paul goes right from singing to talk about household relationships. Here's what Paul is doing. Here's why he is doing that. Paul knows something about the nature of singing. What does he know? Well, there's something about singing that both enables and encourages what he calls here in Colossians 3, the rich indwelling of the word of Christ in our lives. Now, the word of Christ, um, I believe we could simply define tonight as the gospel. It's who Jesus is the word of Christ is who Jesus is the word of Christ is what he's done It's why it 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 it, it tells us the, the word of Christ tells us why all of that matters And Paul is saying that our singing in gathered worship must be marked By songs that speak to the gospel story tell the gospel story have implications of the gospel sort of story so that that very gospel cannot just sort of live or dwell inside of us, but actually reside in us richly, richly. Paul is saying that singing then, some in some way, it's mysterious in some ways too, helps us do that very thing. Um, there's a, a, a musicologist uh, by the name of Harold Best, um, who if you're interested in this kind of stuff, is a great guy to read on kind of this idea of of, of, of what gathered or corporate worship uh, looks like uh, biblically. But he says it this way, God has taken the most precise way of communicating truth, which is words, and combined it with what could be argued is the vaguest way of communicating truth, which is music, and he's put them together to make singing. The purpose... Is that what we know with our minds gets connected in our hearts that's God's idea that's his plan and Paul's point here in Colossians 3 is that somehow God has designed singing to help us connect the truth of the gospel from our minds to our hearts to help us feel and experience the truth of the gospel God gave us singing to Affect that the the things that we love to remind us of the things that are most important about what jesus has done to save us and to redeem us Another thing that paul is getting at here though in in colossians 3 is this singing Must be a part of what we do when we gather together in worship It's actually one of the primary ways that god intends for the word of god to dwell in us richly in our corporate worship the first one is, is what we're going to be talking about next week, which is preaching. But the second one, the, 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 second primary one is singing. This is a common misconception, um, or there is a common misconception many times about sung worship, uh, in our time together. And honestly, preachers are some of the, the, the biggest offenders of this idea. Our singing in corporate worship is never a warm up for the sermon. As not not the purpose of it. It is not filler in the service either. Colossians 3:16 is laying out for us that singing alongside preaching is one of the most important if not the primary ways that God has ordained for his word to dwell richly in each of us. Now, Reading the scripture, hearing the scripture read is another way, but, but tonight we want to really drill this down. Singing is also one of those primary ways. I heard a pastor once say that what we sing in worship is take-home theology, right? The, the best songs that we sing together serve as three-minute, easily memora- uh, memorable, deeply biblical summaries. Of hugely important truths right think of of the the song in Christ alone now that is a song that is is straight up telling the entire gospel story that's not the only requirement that we have here at Mercy View that it has to kind of go from beginning to end A, a, a song can have an implication of the gospel story and and that's good but but in Christ alone is one of those unique songs that really Just tells the gospel story from beginning to end When we sing in christ alone here, it takes us anywhere from four to five minutes to sing it But by the time that we're done singing in christ alone, you have sung in a memorable form A complete theology of the life the death and the resurrection of jesus also With clear and practical application that you can use for your life that week Are you with me? That is why it matters what we sing. This brings me to the first thing that I want to invite you to see this evening. Our sung worship must be tethered to the Word of God. What does it mean to be tethered to something? Well, a tether is a a line to which someone or something is attached to for security or to limit its range, right? When you tether an animal, um, it restricts its range of of movement. When you are saying like, we we need to have, have our worship tethered to the word of God, what we're saying is that the scriptures are what helps create our boundaries, so to speak, of what we sing. It rightly limits or checks or regulates what we sing or said another way if a song is not tethered to the word of god in any way we aren't going to sing it here like it can't just be that it's a cool melody that has got some cool drums in it you know whatever the case may be if that song is not tethered to the word of god in some way we ain't singing it here now we're not strict uh, Psalmists here at, at mercy view and, and some of you are like what is, what is that um, there are those, and these are brothers and sisters in Christ, who their belief is, is like you actually can only sing songs that come straight from the Scriptures, particularly the Psalms. What we're saying here, this idea of our, our music, our, our sung worship being tethered to the Word of God, is that we believe that we must sing songs that are true and consistent and in line with what the Scriptures teach. So let me give you a little bit more uh, insight to our thinking about how this works here at Mercy View. Here at Mercy View, um, we have a small song selection team that reviews song suggestions for our corporate Sunday worship gatherings. Those come sometimes from, from you, our partners. Uh, many times they come from other uh, people within our worship team, myself and, and those that are part of the, the team. Um, that team is, is made up of myself and our director and assistant director of worship arts, Andrew and, and Jacob. And what we do is we look at those songs together. Um, that's actually kind of a, a helpful check and balance with, with each other. A lot of healthy uh, conversation that happens there. But it, it goes through kind of an initial screening in which we look at things to, like, discuss at a very high level. Um, what does its theological soundness look like here? Are there questionable words or phrases? Are there things that we're uncomfortable with that just sort of means it's a, it's a no? That happens often. We, we just say that's not gonna work here. Now, we're there are other things that we're considering like musical creativity and freshness, congregational accessibility, but, but first and foremost, it has to pass the test of theological soundness. So if the song passes sort of that initial screening, uh, it will then undergo a more in-depth time of, 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 of review. And this step is to make sure that the song is is for sure theologically sound, like it must be biblically correct and consistent with the whole counsel of scripture. It must be theologically clear, like the lyrics can't be so ambiguous or so poetic that it's open to misinterpretation and and, and leads to making the message unclear. Um, This doesn't necessarily rule out that we aren't gonna sing songs that have some metaphorical language in it, but we are always gonna, typically we're gonna lean towards clarity over ambiguity or vagueness. But not only theological soundness and clarity, but theological richness as well. Lyrics, I believe, should explore the depth and breadth of the gospel or aspects of the gospel's implications. Sometimes a song will will present the entire, like the full gospel story. We just talked about that in in Christ Alone. Um, Another example of that would be Come Behold the Wondrous Mystery, which is a, a favorite here at Mercy View. But I, I want to make sure you hear me. This does not mean that every song is going to outline that entire gospel story in in a song. That's not the goal with all of our our songs. So rather, it's if it's theologically sound and it speaks to an aspect or an implication of the gospel, we will consider it. Let's think about the songs that we just sang. "Good Good Father" uh, is a is a, a song that is is about our declaration of God's goodness, right? That is an implication of or an aspect of the gospel. In the gospel, the uh, God is a good, good father. That's a good song for us to have on our lips, right? The bridge of that song says, you are perfect in all of your ways. It's another attribute or character of God that's good for us to, to sing. God, you are perfect and holy and other and transcendent, right? And then we saying your word will stand, right? An aspect of the gospel story, and, and we actually introduced this song for this series because it really was, works well with, with what we're talking about here. But we're talking about the word standing and being our rock and our hope and our stay, right? Those are implications of or aspects of the gospel. But this process for us to choose music in this way is an attempt to tether, what we sing to the Word of God. We are attempting to bind ourselves to the Word of God here at Mercy View as we choose songs. Our sung worship must be tethered to the Word of God. Now, if you would, look with me at Ephesians chapter 5. That's the second passage that you heard uh, Jayma read. This will be a little bit more brief. We actually see some other things that happen as we sing together in this passage that I just want to point out um, that I think is a big part of why we do what we do notice that Paul in this passage and he's this is similar to, to what he was saying in Colossians 3 too but this kind of singing is to happen in the context of community or a, a group of people like us on a Sunday evening it happens with something we do together. He's not talking about singing this stuff by yourself. He's saying this is something that we do together. In fact, in verse 19 of Ephesians 5, he says that we are to address one another in these songs. Address one another in psalms, address one another in hymns, address one another in spiritual songs. Why would Paul say it that way? Well, I love this. This to me is so beautiful. When we sing together as a family, I just want you to think about this. Particularly the people that you're sitting around or standing around. You are hearing confessions of faith all around you about what is true about who God is. Right? And in these moments of worship where it's a little quieter and the voices are really ringing out, you're hearing the entire room confess faith. You're hearing it all around you people testifying to who god is just think about that for a moment when we sing in christ alone my hope is found we are hearing the testimonies of the 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 reality that we are saying jesus you are our hope and everybody's doing that together here's the reality sometimes you and i come into this place and start to sing some of these songs and you're like man i jesus doesn't feel like my hope tonight But I cannot tell you how often this happens to me when I'm in that position and I just look to my right or my left and I see you singing this song, that song, with all of your heart. It begins to lift me up, right? Watching others worship God with abandon is another way that I think the Lord intends to have the gospel preached to us, right? The point of this second part here is, is that our sung worship preaches the gospel to ourselves but it also preaches the gospel to others. Your singing preaches the gospel to me. When we sing in Christ alone, my hope is found. How amazing is that to have those words on our lips, to know that everybody in this room is uh, testifying to the hopefulness that is found in God. And here's another interesting thing that I think Paul is, is getting at here. Singing is also missional missional is a just a fancy it's like the adjective form of the word mission, but um, As you sing You are actually helping those who are far from God get a glimpse of who God is Actually in Psalm 105 the Lord is calling the Israelites to be a light unto the nations and to do this He tells them to sing to him sing praises to him tell of all of his wondrous works like think of of the impact of that on someone who is investigating the things of Christ, to hear in real time in this room hundreds of people singing that confession together. Pastor and author, the late Tim Keller, says in a book that he contributed to called Worship by the Book, good corporate worship will always be evangelistic. Now I want you to see one more thing here That is really in both the colossians and ephesians passages chances are that you don't connect singing and spiritual warfare together but it's in living color in both of these places in colossians 3 paul is challenging the colossians to literally put sin to death in their lives to kill sin so all of the commands to love and peace and forgiveness and teaching and singing attitudes and habits of the believer that will kill sin and paul is saying the same thing in ephesians 5 verse 16 when he says that as we are addressing one another in song he's saying that right on the heels of exhorting us to make the best use of our time because the days are evil paul is saying there's something about singing that helps us make the best of our time and push back darkness This brings me to the second thing I want to invite you to see this evening. Our sung worship helps us preach the gospel to ourselves and others. Now, the more that you think about this, I think it makes all the sense in the world. What posture must be hated more by the evil one than a a group of people in a room singing songs about their God? I can't think of many... Stances that you can take that identifies you with Christ and against the enemy Then when your eyes and heart and mind and voice are lifted to heaven in song with your brothers and sisters in Christ in this room Much like prayer It's hard to lie or or be greedy or to look at something inappropriate when you're doing what Paul says in verse 19 Singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart a heart that's doing that will not easily give in to temptation. A singing heart is a heart at war with the work of the evil one and the power of sin. When you sing, you are making much of someone other than yourself. You are glorifying God. And friends, the enemy does not want you to focus on the glory of God. He wants your focus off of God and on you. But when we sing songs that are tethered to the word of God, it brings defeat to the enemy and to sin in our lives because that's what the gospel does. Singing is like musical preaching for our hearts. To bring glory to God in song, we'll naturally take the focus off of ourselves and put them on God. Colossians 3 and Ephesians 5 is is trying to help us see that in a powerful way. As we sing to God and to the Lord, because he is the object of our praise, it has a unique way of bringing our heart, soul, mind, and strength together to bring our our focus entirely on the one who brings us real happiness. And in this age that we live in, where many of us struggle with the spirit of the age, getting caught up in that, or just the, the age of distraction, singing grabs the attention of our hearts and helps us focus on God and away from the temptations from within and without. Our sung worship uh, helps us preach the gospel to ourselves. Let, let's end here tonight. No one knows the way in which sin marks the souls of men like Jesus did. And no one knows the remedy for that devastation like the Savior himself. Everything that Jesus did in his life and in his death mattered. And that included, listen, his singing. His singing. Jesus sang. He sang with people. He sang to people at the Last Supper. Jesus and his disciples sang a hymn together. Jesus, the Word, led these men in singing the very words of Scripture that he was embodying. And the very next day, Jesus died with a psalm on his lips. He bore the wrath of God on the cross while whispering a psalm. Psalm is another word for song so that we might one day sing those same songs with joy as God God's children so friends it matters that the savior of souls was a singer to souls it matters that the one who turns hearts of stone into hearts of flesh gave us this gift of song to drive that gospel reality and all of its implications deep into our Souls, We don't do this very well, but let's just think about the future In Revelation 7 9 and 10 the Apostle John describes a glimpse of an eternity With a great multitude of people from every tribe peoples and languages listen Singing before the Lord Singing for the Lamb Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb is the song Friends, we don't do this very well. We're very much a microwave society, but there is an eternity that awaits us. On that day, will you be one of the great multitude that no one can number singing that song? If not, I pray that you'll make that decision tonight to follow Jesus so that you can be a part of that choir. I hope you'll be there singing the song of our Savior Jesus. Friends, singing the matters souls need songs let's pray together